Good morning. Welcome to the Weird Waves podcast. My name is Taylor. I am coming to you live this Monday morning from Michigan City, Indiana. And uh, this is our first episode, so this is pretty exciting. Um, I felt it was appropriate to have my first guest be Ryan Gerard from Third Coast Surf Shop, as he is the person who really helped me to get into the lake surfing scene, the non-traditional wave scene when I moved back to the States. Um, I was actually Ryan's um, employee for about three years, and I still do help him out doing surf lessons and, and random stuff. Now, Ryan is a unique character because, in my opinion, at least on the Lake Michigan side of the surfing scene, he really has pioneered uh, the feeling of a culture of the Great Lakes surfers. So his surf shop, he has two surf shops. There's one in St. Joseph and one in New Buffalo. And the one in St. Joseph is really, I always explain it to new surfers as like the mecca or like the nucleus of the Lake Michigan surfing scene. You get people from all over the place to come there. The website has tons of information for anybody looking to get into the surfing the lake. So I'm really excited to sit down with Ryan and just talk about who he is, how he started his business, and what kind of weird and wacky waves he's ridden and how that has shaped his life. Hello. Hey, how are you, Ryan? Good. That, that works. Yeah, it does work. Awesome. Cool. So you are my first guest on my podcast. So this is kind of cool. All right. I felt like this would be appropriate since uh, this whole me getting into Great Lakes surfing kind of started as your employee. So I felt like it would make sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sounds good. Happy to do it. Um. So basically the premise or the idea of the podcast is my thoughts and feelings about people that are not surfing traditional waves are like some of the most interesting people that I've personally met. I feel like they're doing, um, you know, they're not just surfing, they're running businesses. They're, you know, their lives and how it shapes their lives. Interesting to me. And I feel like it's interesting to, people that aren't just surfers if that makes sense yeah yeah for sure yeah no it's i mean it, it's non-traditional surfing is um it's different you know it's not what people are used to seeing so i think people find it interesting yeah i think so too so to just start us off why don't you kind of give us like a baseline intro of who you are and all that stuff sure well, my name is Ryan Gerard. I live in St. Joseph, Michigan. I'm married to my wife, Erin, and we've got two boys, Oliver and Elliot. And we own Third Coast Surf Shop. Excuse me. <clears throat> Let me try that again. We own Third Coast Surf Shop. We started Third Coast Surf Shop in, well, excuse me one second. <laughs> I haven't been talking much this morning. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> we started Third Coast Surf Shop in 2005 in a tiny old beach cottage house in New Buffalo, Michigan. And we've slowly grown from there into a second flagship store in St. Joseph. 
And we do services, lessons. We do kids' beach camps. We also have a side part of the business where we rent kayaks and paddle boards on the local rivers and lake. And it's been pretty good to us so far. That's awesome. I'm obviously a fan. And I always um, I always explain to people, at least the St. Joseph store to me, feels like um, the center of surfing on Lake Michigan. That's kind of how I... Um, that's my personal feelings. I feel like, you know, everybody kind of heads to your website at the beginning of their, you know, journey with freshwater surfing, at least on Lake Michigan. Yeah. You know, it's changed a lot over the years. When I started surfing on Lake Michigan in 1998, it was uh, much smaller now that the, the community of surfers on Lake Michigan locally and throughout the Great Lakes was much smaller than it is now. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's technology. There's a lot of reasons why it's grown over the years, but it's, it's certainly grown a lot. And I feel like we've helped it along. Um, you know, when we opened in 2005, uh, there, we were the only surf shop around, um, and I think we kind of, you know, became a hub, excuse me, we became a hub, um, for surfers on Southern Lake Michigan, but really kind of for the Great Lakes. Um, and, and since then, you know, now there's multiple surf shops, some, um, they come in different iterations, you know, some do more than surfing. Um, so I, I feel like here at Third Coast, we're still dedicated to our core roots and our core principles, which is really surfing on the Great Lakes and and the, the lifestyle that comes along with that. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I'm proud that we've been able to be a, a good place for people to come um, to find out about Great Lakes surfing and to, you know, dive into to doing it in the Great Lakes. Yeah, I would, I would totally, totally agree with that. Um, so how did you get into surfing? What's your kind of like story, your surfing story in terms of like, how did you get into it and what was your purpose for kind of like staying into it? Well, I grew up in South Bend, Indiana. I had lived out West with my parents as a younger kid. Um, I was exposed to skateboarding uh, when we lived in the Bay Area of California before we moved back to Indiana in 1986. So um, skateboarding was booming at that time. And, you know, I was a, a skate rat mm -hmm. kid, kid with my friends, um, just like a lot of kids across the Midwest and the country. Um, so I think skateboarding really kind of set the tone for me early on. Um, and then I started snowboarding when I was 10, um, got my surf snowboard for Christmas in 1989. Um, and that was something that I just fell in love with deeply. Um, so I, I 
I lived out west in a couple of different places, Jackson Hole, Wyoming, Colorado. Um, I've been snowboarding in a lot of different places. But then uh, when I was about 19 or 20, um, somehow I got into bodyboarding. So I, on Lake Michigan, I, I just remember like as a kid, you know, going up to the beach in the summers and trying to body surf the waves coming in just like every other kid in the Midwest when they go to the beach. Um, and I, I just somehow found a, a like a pretty good bodyboard, Um, and I bought some swim fins and I think in the fall of like summer and fall of 1998, I, um, started driving up to Lake Michigan to, um, you know, to try to find ways on my bodyboard and I'd see surfers occasionally. Um, and then one day I met a couple guys from Indiana at Tuscornia beach in St. Joseph. And it was a pretty flat day, just tiny summer waves. This was like August of 1998. Um, but they had a surfboard, so <laughs> they were kind of enough to let me kind of lay on it and paddle around on it. Um, and they were like, Oh man, next time there's uh, bigger waves, you need to go down to Michigan city. That's where we all surf. Um, and they told me to buy a, a weather radio at Radio Shack. Oh, my God. Awesome. Yeah. So I did. Um, that's how we would forecast waves back then. You know, there weren't, at least not that we knew of, there weren't any online uh, resources for, you know, forecasting cool. waves in the Great Lakes. I mean, the Internet at that time, um, 1998, was obviously pretty young. I don't know if any of those guys were online at all. I'm not kidding. Remember if I was, I was 20 years old. Um, but that's what I did. I got the, the, the radio shack, uh, weather radio, and I would listen to the monotone voice guy. I don't even know if they do it anymore, but you know, Northwest winds 15 to 25 knots waves <laughs> building four to six feet. Um, so, and I went to Michigan City. This is probably like a week or two later after I met those guys. And I pulled up and I was like, wow, you know, this is this is cool. That I saw a bunch of surfers out in the water by the the pier. We call it the elbow in Michigan City at Washington Park. Um, and I saw a guy in a wetsuit um, going into the bathroom. So I followed him in there. <laughs> and it was a dude named Chuck. He was a OG guy from Indiana. Um, he's been out in California for a long time now. But uh, I was like, hey, you know, where can I learn more about surfing? And he said, oh, see that guy in the van over there? Go talk to him. So I walk over to the van, and um, this is, you know, Indiana in the late 80s, early 90s. And this is kind of a familiar uh, uh, and friendly smell coming from the van. <laughs> uh, so I was like, oh, okay, this is cool. Um, and it was uh, Jim Hoop. He's just laying in there with his girlfriend at the time, his wife now, Joy. Um, and there he was just kind of hanging out between his, his sessions. And I was just like, hey, man, how are the waves today? And <laughs> in typical Jim Hoop fashion, he pointed out towards the elbow and says, there they are, man. Look for yourself. <laughs> 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 so that's how I met Jim Hoop, who's a local legend on in the Southern Great Lakes uh, and Lake Michigan surf scene. 
Um, and yeah, I, I just, I went out there with my uh, bodyboard and swim fins and I caught a wave that I'll, I'll never forget. It was just right off the elbow and it was, you know, just a, a normal wave. But for me, it was like a real wave, like the first real wave I had ever caught. And it was a left. So I kind of like angled, angled left. And I just remember looking up and seeing it starting to, you know, kind of break in front of me. And it's just like, wow, just that feeling of like, you know, cruising down a wave and turning into it and seeing it like growing in front of you. I was just like instantly hooked. So I ended up buying a used board from one of the local guys, you know, like a few days later and, you know, scrap some wetsuit stuff together. And that was it. I just, I was, you know, head deep into surfing, just completely, um, you know, falling in love with it. And, uh, you know, just kept doing it forever since then. Oh, um, I guess um, my next question is kind of like connecting the dots from you start surfing here in Lake Michigan and then you I know you go to California or what's how how does the story kind of like yep yeah so I, I learned in the fall of 1998 <laughs> I actually moved to Colorado right after the new year <laughs> um, to do the snowboard bum thing. So I lived at, worked at Copper Mountain in Colorado um, in the winter of 98, 99. Um, but the entire time I was out there snowboarding, I, I just like kept thinking about surfing. So I was like buying all the magazines and videos and stuff. Um, I think I even bought my first board while I was in Colorado to, to have it arranged to, my first new board to have it arranged to be shipped back. So I got back to the Midwest in the spring of 99 um, and just kept surfing. And then I moved to California to Santa Cruz in the fall of 99. Um, and I lived out there for two years. I got uh, hooked up with a guy that well-known guy out there that does surfing lessons. So I started doing surfing lessons and then through him, I met Bob Pearson at the Pearson Aero Surfboard Factory um, on the east side of Santa Cruz. And that's where I started to learn how to build surfboards. So I uh, you know, started out by doing leash cups and fin boxes. And then I um, also started doing gloss coats. Um, so I did that for a little while. But I was kind of like missing home basically missing the great lakes missing my friends and family back here um and i also wanted to finish college at that point i had a couple of years of college under my belt already um so i came back to the midwest and um enrolled at northern michigan university in marquette up on lake superior um in what like 2001 i think 2002 um I I basically chose Northern Michigan University because it was a state school. My parents were living in Niles, Michigan at the time, so I get state in or uh, state tuition, in-state tuition. Um, but also because I could surf and snowboard. Um, I would say that had a deciding uh influence for sure. Um, 
so I was at Northern Michigan University for two years. Uh, we, my dad and I built a shaping room next to my cabin up there. Um, so from the time I started building more than Santa Cruz, I just kept doing it like for those like next few years. Um, and I built a fair number of boards out of that cabin and surfed on Lake Superior, Northern Lake Michigan, snowboarding in the winter. Um, and then when I graduated, I moved back down to Southern Michigan where my folks are. Um, and I went back into working construction for my dad's company and um, surfing down here on the South End with all my South End friends. And I kept building boards down here. And then um, that's kind of when the idea for Third Coast Surf Shop sprung up. We, uh, we've, some of my South End surfing friends and I uh, did a little winter road trip to the Wisconsin Dells where they, one of the places up there had a little um, flow, what do they call it? Not, it's not a, a wave pool, but it's like a flow rider type thing. Um, oh, yeah. So we did that, and I don't know why, but for some reason there was a lady there, a freelance journalist, um, who was writing an article about Great Lakes surfing and the surf industry in the Great Lakes for Trans World Business Magazine. Trans World Business Magazine um, is, and I, I think still, it, or it was and still is, um, a surf, skate, snow uh industry trade magazine um and she was doing an article about the great lake surfing industry and i was one of just a, maybe a few guys building surfboards in the great lakes at the time and that's how i i got hooked up with her and she asked me about the surf industry in the great lakes and i just kind of like laughed um and said there is no surf industry in the great lakes you know it's um it's just a community of people surfing um, and a, you know, a few backyard garage surfboard shapers like me. Um, and that was it. You know, at the time there weren't any surf shops or surf schools or anything like that. Um, there might've been, you know, one store, I think there was a store in Grand Haven that sold a couple boards here and there, but it was more like a skate shop or something. Um so that kind of just sparked something in me. And on that trip, I kind of started asking some of my buddies, I was like, what do you think about the idea of a surf shop? And of course they were all encouragement and like, yeah, yeah, that'd, that'd be sweet. Um, and it just kind of stuck. So that was in December of 2004. Um, and by January, the next month, I had a business plan together I just had like tunnel vision full on. Just, I had the blinders on. I was going to open a surf shop. Um, so thankfully, you know, I was just in my, what I was 25, I think. Um, and my parents were, you know, encouraging me, um, which was awesome. Um, my dad helped, helped me go to a couple of local banks that he had relationships with. So I took my business plan in and the banks were kind of like, yeah, yeah, it's a neat idea, but I don't think so. You know, we can't loan you money to do this. And of course um, I understand why you know, it's a risky venture. I, I wanted to open a 800 square foot surf shop in new Buffalo, Michigan. 
Um, I knew it would be very dependent on tourism and um, four months later in May of 2005, um, I was able to borrow a little money from my folks. My dad's company was doing well at the time. Um, and I borrowed just enough money, you know, on a shoestring budget to get the store open in uh, May of 2005. Awesome. And what was the, what were some of the core things that you had at the very beginning? Like, what were you selling out of your shop at the very beginning? Hello. All right, Taylor. Okay. So <laughs> my next question um was just what are some of the just out of curiosity, what were some of the first things that you had um to get that shop running? Like what were you carrying? Now I know you have a full array of all different types of brands and all different types of products. But what were the things that you were selling in the beginning to get you started? Yeah. So, you know, I was pretty young and had zero retail experience. I, I had worked in retail a little bit in California, but just as like a sales floor person. Um, so I really didn't know what I was doing, but I, I spent a lot of research and a lot of time or I spent a lot of time doing research and, you know, kind of looking into the whole thing. I knew tourism would be really our bread and butter, you know, the only way to, to survive. Um, New Buffalo is a very touristy summer beach town. Um, so, you know, I, I, it was it was basically a mix of Great Lakes surfing products. Um you know, actual hard goods, surfboards, wetsuits, leashes, wax, you know, all the accessories. Um, and then soft goods, you know, clothing, um, sandals, sunglasses, essentially a lot of the same stuff we still sell today. Um, and, you know, we would, we, I, I knew that some third coast surf shop t-shirts uh, would probably be something people would be interested in. Um, and so I, I think I did a decent job of forecasting what would sell. Um, you know, of course I've learned a lot since then and, you know, we've made changes and tweak, tweak things over the years, but that's essentially what it was. It was a mix of Great Lakes surfing equipment and then just kind of like beach stuff, you know, or, or like, I guess what you would call surfing or beach lifestyle apparel accessories. Um, I mean, I remember selling like, kites um you know just kind of random stuff like that at one point we sold beach cruiser bikes and rented those um you know definitely experimented with a lot of things in those first few years um and i think it it worked because new buffalo was kind of booming in the summer at that time and we were across the street from the popular ice cream place in town. And I think it was just so like different um, and unique at the time. Um, you know, people had probably never seen it or thought of having a surf shop in Michigan. And um, 
it worked. You know, we, we got through that first year. I had to borrow a little more money going into year two, I think, uh, to finance, um, new inventory. Um, but thankfully it stuck and it worked. So it was just kind of a slow snowball effect from there. And, um, so now you're fifth, is it 15 years in business? So this is our 14th year. We'll be going into 15 years in 2020. Okay. So where is, what's the future of, of third coast right now? I know you've got a few new things in the works. So we do. Yeah. You know, the thing about brick and mortar retail business is you have to stay on your feet, you know, um, it's just constantly changing. So one thing that's, that has been consistent through the years has been all the services that we offer. Um, you know, the rentals, like the surfboard rentals, stand up paddleboard rentals. We were one of, if not the first, um, retailer in the Midwest and the Great Lakes region to bring on stand up paddleboards. That was in like 2007, I think. Um, and at the time that was a completely kind of new and radical, uh, idea and product um and of course we've seen what's happened with that since then it's, it's completely blown up um but um at the time it was kind of a, a new and different thing and it made sense you know it's kind of like something for us as surfers to do on flat days um and then yeah like, again like i said the services all the rentals and lessons um that's all been consistent uh, so a couple of the big things that, that we've been working on and that we'll continue to, to work into is, um, going online. So we've been online with, you know, a website since the first year, 2005. Um, we're probably on our fourth or fifth different iteration of a third coast surf shop website. Um, but we've worked really hard in the past few years to take our e-commerce game, um, to a new level for us. Um, so our online sales have continued to grow, which is exciting because as we all know, um, brick and mortar retail is kind of, you know, been fading, slowly declining for years now. And, um, online shopping continues to be where it's at in retail. So we're definitely, um, continuing to work on that, make that better. And then the new thing that we're going to be introducing in this coming fall of 2019 and end of the winter of 2019, 2020 is um, snowboarding, um, which I'm really excited about because like I said earlier in the conversation, um, I started skateboarding when I was, you know, just a, a tiny kid and then started snowboarding when I was 10 Um so next, this coming winter will be 30 years um, of snowboarding for me. Um, and then Sam, our St. Joe store manager, he's been riding for 15 years or something like that. Um, so it's something that, that we're really into. Um, and it's something that a lot of Great Lakes surfers are into. And obviously, a lot of people that aren't Great Lakes surfers are into in in the Midwest. Um, we're lucky to have a, a decent, uh, our local hill is about an hour from here. We've got a, a three different ski hills um, within an hour's drive. 
Um, and it's kind of like, I, I kind of put the idea off for a long time. You know, people have always said every winter, well, why don't you guys sell snowboarding stuff? And I, I just didn't know how it would fit in, you know, at third coast surf shop. I mean, it's, um, it's important to me to stay true to kind of our surfing roots. Um, but the more I started thinking about it and talking with people close to me, um, I just started to realize that snowboarding is a part of our lifestyle. Um, a lot of us snowboard, some ski, but, um, we, you know, we happen to snowboard and in the winter when the lake is frozen over and there's too much ice and we can't surf for two or three months at a time, most winters, I'm snowboarding. Um, and I know a lot of other people are too. So to me, it's like, you know, we've always still sold skateboarding stuff. We've always sold skim boards. I mentioned the stand up paddle boards. It's, it's just like the, that lifestyle, um, that we, we live. Um, so it's, it's not something like outside our expertise, um, zone or, you know, something that we're not familiar with. It's something that we do and we have been doing for a long time. And, um, as I started to think about it more that way, and again, get, get feedback from friends and, and customers on the idea, it just suddenly was like, wow, yeah, this, this just really makes sense. Um, so we're really stoked about it because we've signed on with some of the top brands in the industry, Burton, Arbor, Union Bindings, Capita Snowboards, Vans, um, Volcom, Patagonia, I could, you know, go down the list. We, we were lucky to already have, um, accounts with a lot of these companies because a lot of these companies kind of like cross over into surfing, skating, snowboarding. Um, so it's just a, a natural fit, like all the way around. And, and we're like full in on this thing where our, our product is going to start arriving in September and into October. Um, and we're, we're, we're going to have a legit snowboard category offering, um, on our website and in our St. Joe store. So I'm really excited about it. And are you going to be offering any like, um, additional services like you do with surfing? So like any of the rentals or any lessons or stuff like that, or are you starting as like the shopping marketplace? Yeah. So yeah, not yet. Um, at first it'll be all retail, you know, just our bread and butter, you know, doing what we do well, which is get good product into to people's hands. Um, and yeah, we don't know. I, I we'll see what it evolves into. Um, we've already talked about the idea of doing some like basic tunes, like edge, edge work and, um, you know, waxing stuff like that. Um, we definitely want to get involved with our local community here, you know, the local ski and snowboard clubs at the high school and the middle school. Um, and, you know, we've even talked about trying to get like a group of people together, um, like local surfers or whoever that maybe go up and ride at our, uh, at the local hill, you know, once a week or something, um, you know, lessons and things like that. We'll see what it uh, turns into, but, you know, I, 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 we don't want to take on too much at one time. Um, so I think starting, you know, just on the retail side of things and making sure, um, we have what people are looking for and we can 
offer our knowledge and, and expertise on, on the equipment um, and hooking people up with that stuff and, and going from there and see, seeing what happens. Awesome. Um, so just to switch a little bit, I'm curious what it is about surfing in the beginning. Like, what was the thing that really like just hooked you on, you know, was it the feeling? Was it the people that you were around? Like, what was that, you know, reason for you to just continue this as your, your passion or your, your life's work in a way? Well, I certainly didn't plan on it. Um, <laughs> you know, it just kind of happened to me. Um, thankfully, you know, I, I grew up as like a typical like kid playing sports, you know, I just, I played all the sports. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I got into skateboarding and then snowboarding. It was just kind of like that sideways stance, um, thing, you know, there's just something about that. It's, it's different that there are no rules, you know, in, in surfing and skating and snowboarding, it's just you doing it however you want to do it, you know? And to me, that's something that's always been really appealing about it. Um, and surfing specifically, like, like I said earlier, just like catching that first wave on my bodyboard, like a first real wave, not like riding the whitewater in, uh, but actually like catching a wave, you know, that had, a, had some decent size to it. And just feeling that rush of dropping in and, you know, making that bottom turn and kind of just like looking up as you're going down the line. I I can't really, you know, explain like why it felt so good, but it was just a feeling that, you know, I wanted more of. <laughs> um, and then I started stand up surfing, you know, on, on surfboard, regular surfboards. And um, it just continued, you know, and I love all of it. I Longboarding, like traditional longboarding where you can walk the board and hang 10, do nose, you know, nose rides and stuff like that. Um all the way down to, to shorter boards, you know, and, and it's that just thing about not having any rules, you know, there's kind of like general guidelines and maybe like rules of thumb that most of us kind of adhere to or follow, um, which I think is good because it kind of gives you some direction, but it, you know, it, it's not a team sport. It's just usually you and your buddies, at least here in the great lakes. Um, and that's cool, you know? Um, and then here there's also, I guess anywhere, but here it's kind of the forecasting factor is, is certainly different, you know? Um, like when I travel now, all I have to do really is hook, pull up surf line and I've got a pretty good sense of, of where to go and when to be there, you know, it, it, as you start to learn about like the local spots, but in the great lakes, it's, it's not like that at all. You know, you, it it takes work. You have to put the time and dedication into, um, you know, finding waves. And for me, one of the challenges has always been finding good waves in the Great Lakes. And that's not easy because when I'm talking about good waves, I'm talking about like a wave that would be legit anywhere in the world, uh, you know, not necessarily like the size or the power, but um, the shape and the cleanliness, you know, uh, and we get those days when the wind turns offshore and, you know, you'd happen to be like at a place where the sandbar is set up nicely and the swell direction and the wind and, and everything is just like lining up. And I, I mean, I've got some just incredibly memorable sessions and 
um, my 20 years of, of surfing here, you know, sessions I'll never forget. Um, and, you know, that's just a big part of it, too, is, is just like the, the feeling that you get when those days happen. But just being able to get to get out there now for me is, is uh, you know, something I don't take for granted, you know, with this, my family, two young kids and having a business and stuff, I've always been able to surf and I, and I still do, and I still can. Um, so I've been fortunate to make that a priority in my life. And, uh, you know, now it's just kind of like a, it's definitely become more of a, a personal journey for me, I think. Um, just because I don't surf probably as often or as long as I used to. Um, so I try to really just make it count when I do and, you know, really look for the, the quality when I can. Um, and it's just like a, a, a journey that I don't think will ever end. I think it'll always just mean different things to me. And I, I'm sure a lot of other people feel that way. And um, you did mention that you're a dad. So what is it about the surfing, you know, kind of like outdoorsy lifestyle that you want to um, pass down to your sons? Yeah. So Oliver is seven and Elliot actually turns four tomorrow. Um, and it, it's just kind of like it's it's a part of our life. You know, it has been since the beginning for me. So when I met Erin, you know, it, it just naturally kind of became a part of her life because it was something that I was into. Um, and of course, having a business, you know, it, it's constantly around us. Um, and then when our boys came along, it was just something that they would see me do, you know, from the very beginning, Aaron would have the baby on the beach while I was out surfing, whether it was here or when we travel. Um, and, you know, I, it's just kind of a natural thing. I don't push it on them at all. Um, we have them involved in other stuff, you know, we think it's important just to let them try whatever they want, you know, different things. Um, but it seems, you know, that like, I think naturally something that I'm really into is something that they might want to get into as well. And, um, it's certainly starting to happen that way. You know, I, the past two winters in Costa Rica, um, the boys, you know, just pushing them into waves and, and then here, like this summer already, um, we live, you know, near the beach and we've been down there quite a bit and it, all it takes for them is a little boat wake, you know, ripple. So like literally almost every day I can take them down there, um, and find something to push them into. Um, and it's fun. <laughs> That's the bottom line. I, I've never met a kid that doesn't have fun surfing. I mean, we see it in our kids' beach camps every day, every week. It's just fun. <laughs> and people <laughs> like to enjoy themselves. That's human nature. That's true. What is, what would you say out of all of the places that you've surfed, what is the weirdest place or the most unique place that you've found and been able to surf a wave? Oh, man, that's a good question. Um... Well, I didn't get to surf it myself, but I was in Germany once and I saw the surfing on the river there in Munich, I think. I forget what the name of the river is. Um, but in person and like actual, I don't know. I mean, it would probably be a Great Lakes surfing session. 
Um, I mean, I've surfed in some cool places around the world, um, but not necessarily like weird or unique. Um, I mean, surfing here in fresh water on an inland lake, thousands of miles from the nearest ocean, and especially in the winter, you know, when there might be ice bobbing in the lineup and your wetsuit is literally freezing over and your eyelashes are um, stuck together because it's so cold. That's pretty weird, you know? It is pretty weird. Yeah, it's pretty weird. <laughs> And yeah. I, I remember some sessions like, you know, being out um, in the water when it was so foggy, I couldn't see the beach um, or being out there in like just blinding snowstorms, you know. Um, it, yeah, it's, it's definitely different. Um, it's not as weird as like a tidal bore, you know, observing a tidal bore in China or something like that. Or um, calving glaciers in uh, Antarctica. <laughs> People are doing some pretty weird stuff these days. Um, but it's like Jerry Lopez once said, a wave is where you find it. You know, he he was the iconic North Shore surfer um, from Hawaii who moved to Bend, Oregon to snowboard. You know, um, yeah. it's it's just like wherever you get that feeling and you know, whatever floats your boat and makes you happy, I guess. <laughs> and, uh, um, my last question is, so when I was living in New Zealand, we, uh, the surfers there would always talk about this feeling, uh, called the big scare. It's basically like your kind of, Oh shit moment where, you know, when you're first surfing, you have no idea the danger that you're in kind of, then you have like one experience or maybe two that kind of like put you back in your place. Can you think of your, like your big scare moment? I, I can. There's one that um, comes to mind quickly. Um, I was surfing in Michigan city. This was in the, the early, fairly early years for me. Um, probably in like the early to mid nineties. And, uh, as you know, you live in Michigan City. There's a, um, a break inside the the harbor there called Billy's, which is named after a, um, a South End surfer from years ago, um, Bill Lemons, and he passed away. But they they had been calling it Billy's for a long time, and it's a really unique wave um, because you need a big north swell, um, you know, like a good longer period for the lake. And um, it pushes through between the two jetties um, at the mouth of the harbor there. And the sand builds up on the inside. And, you know, it, it can be a really good wave when, when everything lines up right. Um, but I remember because I, I kind of got into longboarding like right away. I was lucky to learn on a longboard. And, um, you know, I feel like pretty fortunate that I kind of learned like the traditional way of, of longboarding. Um, and I was surfing leashless, you know, it was probably like a decent sized day and, and I lost my board. And it, you know, as you know, that in the Harbor there, it's like a, it's a big open space. There is um beach on the inside. Um, but my board didn't wash into the beach. It kind of like, like drifted to the South, like kind of down, like towards the, the um, Mount Baldy 
it didn't go that far. Like it didn't make it past that jetty, but I was scared, you know, cause I didn't have a leash and it was kind of just like floating and it seemed to be drifting further away from me. And that was my big scare for sure. That was my oh shit moment <laughs> where I, I like was genuinely um, scared, but thankfully I got to my board and, you know, I'm still here. Um, but it certainly was kind of a wake up call and I, I still surf leashless with a longboard, but not in situations where I could potentially get into trouble. You know, I, I, I can't wear a leash because I like to walk the board and, you know, move around on my stuff. But um, if there's rocks on the inside or if there's a lot of people or, you know, if there's, if you're out there and there's like a lot of water moving around and um, definitely wearing a leash these days. But yeah, that was my, my scary moment. That's a, that's a good, good one. One that I know I, I can picture that so vividly in my head when you were saying it. So that sounds scary to me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I guess just to wrap up, I know you ha- you said to me you have the 15th annual um, Luau coming up at the beginning of September. Is that right? Yep. Uh, the 15th annual Great Lakes Surf Luau, Saturday, September 7th at Gene Clock Beach in Benton Harbor. Um, so we're going to be launching all the details uh, through our social media stuff and website um, this week. But basically the Great Lakes Surf Luau was started in New Buffalo. It was actually started the year before we I, I opened this first store um, by some other guys, part of the Great Lakes Surfing Association, which is kind of now defunct. But um, these guys put this thing together at New Buffalo Beach. And I've basically just kept it rolling since then. Um, it's just a party, you know, it's just a, a give back thing to the Great Lakes surfing community and to our customers and our friends and our family. Um, you know, it's kind of a cool way for us to say thank you for all the support over the years um, at the end of summer and at the you know beginning of what we call our kind of official, you know, fall surfing season when the waves start to pick up, um, you know, so live music, food, um, we do a, a raffle, and it's just it's really just all about getting people together. You know, I don't see a lot of people over the course of a year, but on the day of the luau, you know, it's like everybody comes out and it's just rad to uh, get back together and to just to see everybody, even if it is just for you know a handful of hours that day. Awesome. Well, I'll be there. All right. <laughs> so, okay. Well, thank you so much for talking to me, Ryan. Um, and is there anything else you want to say before we close this out? I don't think so. Thanks for having me on Taylor. Good luck with the podcast. You're welcome. Thanks. I'll uh, send you the preview before I post it. All right. Sounds good. All right. All right. Talk to you later. Bye. Thanks. Bye.